The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. G'day and welcome to this Stockhead podcast. I'm your host, Peter Strachan. Today, we're delving into the world of graphite and specifically the processing of graphite for applications in anodes for high-tech rechargeable batteries. To assist us, we are pleased to welcome Surinder Garg, who is the Group Technical Services Manager at Heavy Minerals and Graphite Miner, Minerals Commodities Limited, whose code is MRC. Welcome, Surinder. Thanks, Peter. Good to be here. Now, uh, MRC is a heavy minerals producer at its beach sand operation on the Atlantic coast of South Africa and also has a graphite mine operating in uh, far north of Norway where it has been working towards a possible downstream processing to add value by producing active anode materials. Firstly, Surinder, I am interested to learn how your career has brought you to work on projects in far north of Norway and on the uh, South Africa's Atlantic coast. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's a, an interesting question. Um, but, you know, it's not uncommon in mining, I suppose, where you travel around a fair bit. You know, I started out in mineral sands in Queensland when I finished my PhD and decided I wanted to be in operations rather than in research. And um, after many a year in mineral sands, I went to um, Opteti in Papua New Guinea uh, for quite a few years. And that actually led me to Nautilus Minerals in um, base out of Brisbane, um, who were looking at mining the seafloor of all places. So, you know, um, South Africa and mineral sands and Norway for graphite is just part of the parcel, really. Very similar. And I worked in uh, in Zambia and I was also in, in Bougainville. So we've sort of been in similar parts of the world, uh, Surinda. Yeah, and the beautiful parts of the world too, you know, few issues. So uh, Stockhead has recently spoken with MRC's business development officer, Peter Fox, about plans for expansion of its Tormann heavy minerals projects in, in South Africa. So in this podcast, I'd like to leave the titanium minerals and zircon to the side and dig deeper on the graphite front. So, Surinda, can you please tell the listener about the company's current operations in Skarland in uh, in Norway? Sure. So um, we started doing a DD on um, a digitalization study on Skarland in uh, 2018, and um, we felt that it was a more attractive option into entering the graphite mine than going straight to developing our Western Australian asset in graphite, which is mangling up. Um, Skyland's been operating since the 1930s, pretty much continuously, and um, they moved to a new deposit in um, late 2006. So it's got a long operating history. Our feeling was that, you know, with graphite, you're selling essentially a specialised commodity at sort of industrial prices. So Skyland, with its long history of sales into Europe, meant that we'd get greater insights into that market. And um, also the entry price, we felt, was um, presented a really good opportunity for us. So the company now owns 100% of, scale of the, the, uh, the, the graphite mine? MRC owns 90% and the um, other 10% is owned by an unrelated party who 
basically brought the project to MRC uh, up in 2018. Okay. So at the uh, Scarland in Norway, the company has the operating Birkin graphite project and has also defined, as you say, this uh, graphite deposit at Munglen up in uh, southwest of Western Australia. Uh, has the Norwegian project remained operating and cash flow positive through the pandemic? And what are the plans to move downstream to capture additional value by producing an upgraded anode grade product? Sure. So um, Skyland, um, you know, has it's a pretty small operation. Um, it, it produces at the moment about 10,000 tonnes per annum. And um, its parent um, was somewhat capital constrained. So, you know, we're in the process of... Um, optimising Skyland is how I'd put it. So we're looking at an additional stage of flotation and cleaning to get the fines at Skyland up to um, a better grade, up to that 96 to 98% carbon that you need for uh, to make into downstream value-added products. And that, that process, is we expect that to be completed in probably Q2 of next year. So we've, we've done the lab work, we've done the pilot work, and it's just a matter of ordering the equipment now. So that positions Skyland to produce material that we can then value add. Because at the moment, the, the fines, which are the below 150 microns, they're about an 87 to 89% carbon. And ideally, we'd want to get that to at least a 96, and that's the target in the near term. So that then allows us to basically work on the, on the active anode material side. And we're doing the work at lab scale um, for the pre-fees, and we're heading into what, with CSIRO, um, they're calling is sort of micro and mini pilot scale work. Yeah, so what's the aim of that work? That would, the graphite concentrate that you currently, the mine currently produces, that's sold for US dollars, you know, 500 to 600, uh, 650 per tonne, but you want to have a go downstream and get a value, a significant value, sort of 10 time value add for the product that you will produce. That's right. So, um, what analysts do is that, you know, in terms of making active anode materials, there's really two sort of key processes involved. One's micronizing and spherinization, where you're basically shaping the graphite from a flake to essentially a potato-shaped particles of small diameter, between 15 and 20 microns. And the second step is then to purify and coat that. Um, the beauty of Skyland is that we can do that micronization and spherinization at um, essentially large-scale pilots with you know, up to 25 kilo batches and at that sort of sizes the equipment is you know they have to scale up factors um, let me start at the beginning so we we're aiming to basically in micronization and spherinization shape the particles to about 20 microns or 15 to 20 microns in diameter on average and um we do that with skyland material with the higher grade flake skyland material to basically make um spherical graphite at scale so that they can provide us with equipment costing for um, actual production scale. The purification side is a bit more complex because most purification of natural graphite is used is done using hydrofluoric acid, which is um, environmentally toxic and also comes with significant health and safety risks. So the two processes that we're looking at under our CRCP project, which is Australian government funded, in part, is um, they're both non-HF. So we're starting those at a smaller scale, lab scale, essentially, and um, as we progress into the DFS next year, we'll take that into um, um, larger scale. 
Okay, so what's your preliminary feasibility work uncovered about the potential for value adding at the project? I mean, you're going to go from producing a commodity, which is pretty much you know, something that can be sold all over the world to producing something which is a much more specific uh, you know, target market. That's right. But you have to remember that with graphite, um, even though it's, it is, you can sell it all over the world, you know, you're, it's a very fragmented traditional market where you're selling you know, a few hundred tonnes here, a few hundred tonnes there. And that, that market is essentially controlled by intermediary traders sitting between the producers and the end customers. And the traders do add some value through um, blending, for example. But they, they're also incentivized to essentially to keep that disconnect between um, suppliers and, and customers. When you go into making active anode materials, you're potentially selling to one or two gigafactories, so the, the um, cell producers. And that's a much more simpler model for, for selling graphite. And of course, as, you, as the PFS shows that, you know, that there's a significant margin improvement as you go into those downstream products as well. Yeah, so that's my next question is really you'd have to establish uh, relationships with, uh, you know, one or two big customers who are going to take this rather than sort of standing on a street corner with a bag, bag of graphite and saying, who wants to buy that? You've got to really be talking directly to the uh, the cathode, you know, the battery makers, the cathode anode makers, or, or actually, the, as you say, the gigafactories. Yeah, that's right. And so we're, we're in the midst of those discussions at the moment, you know, and that's a process given, you know, with graphite for those sort of applications, um, given the safety risks associated with lithium-ion batteries, there's a qualification process that does take some time. Yeah. Whether that's a couple of years or more really depends on who you talk to. And, you know, there's also um, evolving technologies associated with that to, to reduce those safety risks as well. So yeah. we're in the midst of those discussions at the moment and having... Scarland in Europe means that, you know, it's easier to start having those discussions. Yeah, I've been through this process with lithium carbonate and lithium hydroxide producers where they produce a couple of hundred kilos, send it to a, a cathode maker, and six months later the cathode maker says, you know, send us another 200 kilos. And, yeah, as you say, it can be a fairly uh, drawn-out process to get certification to sell your product. That's right. And, you know, and it's not, it's not just the certification, which is obviously that's very important, but it's also how do you manage your working capital when you're going through that qualification process? You know, for, with Skyland, because it sells into traditional markets now, that's actually relatively straightforward, you know. Whereas if you're starting a new project, like, if, for example, if you start with Manganup first, then you'd have to manage that production while you're waiting to qualify, you know, which is a tough going to do that. Yeah. So that gets us, brings us to the actual capital cost of establishing, uh, you know, full scale project, and you know, who would be, how would this be structured? Do you think, and and financed? Would you be bringing in a, you know, a downstream partner potentially? Yeah, so that's um, open for discussion at the moment. So we're looking at a number of options, and being based in Bitcoin um, in Europe, and our intent on. Um, putting at least the first module and probably modules one to three to three in Europe as well. There's a lot of, you know, focus in the European Union on establishing a, you know, battery material supply chain in Europe rather than being reliant on China. So uh, Scotland gets our foot in through the door um, in those discussions uh, with the European funding entities 
and the, the PFS and then going forward into the DFS helps sort of um, realise some of those options. Well, certainly the pandemic would be playing in your favour as people have realised the, uh, the concerns about long chains of supply and relying on one particular uh, supplier. And uh, so the potential might be then to actually uh, put this uh, graphite project out and float it locally as a separately funded entity. Yeah, we're looking at yeah, like we're looking at all of those options. Whether we we basically list as a separate entity or potentially list MRC there. Um, so there's, there's a range of options that are being looked at, and also obviously there's um, um, debt financing options as well. And that's seems at the moment it seems to be a bit more cost effective to do that in Europe than in Australia. Yeah, it's about a three hundred and fifty million US dollar spend to get the thing up and running. Yeah, that's for the that's for the all three modules. So you know, so the first module, which will just process garland material, um, it'll that's roughly um, depending on whether it's a caustic process or the um, carbochlorination between eighty and uh, and just over one hundred million. Yeah. Okay. And and then you could potentially uh, produce a concentrate from southwest of Western Australia, Mungalup, and transport that to the processing plant. That's right. Because Scarland on its own, at um, it's like I said, it produces ten thousand tons per annum at the moment. It'll go up to sixteen. It's terms to this sixteen. Um, it's interesting, but it's not really large when you consider sort of, you know, they're talking about 300 gigawatt hours of um, battery capacity, but just in Europe. Um, so, you know, that's hundreds of thousands of tonnes of graphite required for the anode for that. Yeah. What are the major input costs into the process itself? Is that power? I mean, certainly Norway has cheap electricity. Yeah. Um, Again, depends a little bit on the on the purification process, but yeah, reagents and power and labour are surprisingly um, are the three main ones. So, yeah. yeah. So Norway obviously has a significant advantage in terms of um, electricity costs, but also importantly, in, in particular in the European context, um, is the fact that most of that power is well, all of it's essentially hydroelectric. Um, and that's important because the Europeans are, are using sort of the, the, what they're calling it, a green passport to basically sort of counter cheap Chinese supply. Yeah. So, yeah, you, once you've got the provenance of your product, uh, it's not uh, it's ethically supplied and so forth and, uh, and, and it has low, uh, I guess, carbon miles in terms of uh, where it comes from to the, to the battery makers. That's right. So, yeah, it has low carbon miles, um, less geopolitical risk as well, whether it's um, from Skyland itself or from uh, Munginup, and that helps as well. And, um, you know, and the other thing, you know, permitting for new mines in Europe is, is difficult, um, to put it mildly. So having an operating mine that's fully permitted is a significant advantage as well. Yeah, once you've already got the thing up and running, you've uh, you basically... Put the staff in the ground and say, "Here we we have a mine." That's right, and um, it also means that when we're de- doing our downstream development, you know, it really it lets us manage risks in one area at a time. So, at the moment, we are optimising Scotland to get the grade up, and by the time we um, start um, constructing and commissioning the downstream, we'll have done 
completed the DFS, we'll also have completed uh, um, at this stage what we're looking at is a, a two gigawatt hour um, supply of film coated spherical graphite. So a small demonstration plan essentially. So we're sort of de-risking um, each element as we go along, but constraining risks at the same time. When that first module is fully commissioned, then we look at mungling up and expansion of our modules two and three. So what's the time frame? You've done the preliminary feasibility work and now you're working on a definitive feasibility study. What's the time frame for, for finishing that? Okay, so DFS uh, at this stage looks like it will finish Q4 next year. And then we'll, um, at some point during that DFS, uh, probably about halfway through, we'll look at uh, the, um, the two gigawatt hour, basically produce about 2,000 tonnes or thereabouts per annum of graphite, of coated graphite. Um, by sort of Q2, Q3, 2023, and um, the, the first module, sorry, 2022, and the first module will then be up and running mid-2023. So that'll be in the, in, the, in the form of a pilot plant, really, effectively, to start off with? Uh, the demo plant, which will be running mid-2022, which will be essentially a single-line operation, okay. um, um, will be running mid-22. And the, um, the first full module, which will process up to 20,000 tonnes per annum, will be running mid-2023. So what's the expected market value of the anode material that you, the plant will produce in, in the current market? Um, based on the pricing data we got from Benchmark Minerals Intelligence, it's, it ends up being a basket price of just over just under six thousand dollars a ton, and um, that compares with just over a thousand dollars a ton once we upgrade the, um, the the quality of the current concentrate. So it's a significant increase in basket price, and of that, the the coated spherical graphite is circa um, ten thousand dollars a ton. Oh, okay. So, and what would be your uh, operating cost to get that uh, to the to the customer's door? Um, it's about, um, just for the uh, purific, for, for the at downstream plant, it's about six to $1,600 a tonne for the caustic process and about $1,200 a tonne for carb chlorination. Yeah. To that, we add the sort of the four to $500 a tonne for the concentrate production. And you've already spoken about the development of the market in, in Europe. It's um, some hundreds of thousands of tonnes of, of this product that's going to be required. That's right. So we don't see, um, you know, the other players in that market, such as Talgate, you know, we don't see each other as competitors, really. You know, there's enough demand for them and us and others as well. So yeah. it's, um, yeah, so it's, it's a great opportunity for all the players. But it, also, it does also show that, you know, you really need to get to that stage for a viable, you know, commercially viable graphite business, essentially, just making concentrates. It's tough going. Yeah, indeed. And, I, and I, there's not a shortage of graphite globally, but it's uh, the downstream pricing. And we have spoken to Talga and we know their story as well. So, yeah, I think there's room. But And the market the market is developing as the electric vehicles really start to hit the straps over the next two or three years. It's going to be really exponential growth in demand. Don't you agree? I do. I do. I mean, there's also competitive pressures from obviously um, you probably would have heard um, Elon Musk talking about silicon anodes um, at um, Tesla's battery day, um, but we, the way we see that is that we, we know is a more, a more conventional low doses of silica in a graphite-based anode at the moment. Um, just there's less technology risks associated with that part. Well, that's uh, fantastic, Surinder, and uh, thank you for coming in today to talk to us about the uh, 
project in uh, Norway and we'll be watching very closely as the uh, feasibility study develops uh, through the rest of this year and into 2021 and we'd be delighted to get you back again um, perhaps early next year and I'm sure there'll be a lot more to report on as the project uh, moves forward so thanks for coming in today. A pleasure Peter. Anytime.